Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright. Andy, is this the seed of the blue goo in this minute? It's a blue goo seed. It's a blue goo seed. Today, we are talking about Minute 51, which begins with Iron Man getting up after the fight and ends with Locked Up Loki. Back on the show, it's Declan Craggs from Scream Movie Minute. Hello, Declan. Hello, Andy. Hello, Pete. Hey, welcome back. We are thrilled to have you uh, back here talking uh, for a few minutes this week. We're going to talk about the next three minutes with you about uh, this this whole part of the film. We're starting right now at uh, the point where uh, Thor's... Uh, uh, Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, just hit Cap's shield and kind of took out a huge chunk of this forest. And this is kind of the the um, post-battle moment. We start with Iron Man getting up after all the trees have been kind of uh, blasted to splinters. And the three heroes kind of slowly stand up and take that beat where they... I, I feel like this is that moment where Tony and Thor... You know, you get your adrenaline's high, you're in a situation where you're battling each other, throwing each other into cliff faces, whatever the case may be, and you're kind of at a point where you're not necessarily realizing the scope of what you're actually doing, and this is that moment, I think. Everybody kind of stops and goes, oh, this is what we've, <laughs> this is the damage we've just wrought. How does this whole thing play for you, Declan, this this fight and uh, this this fight between our heroes? How does it play for you? Uh, I mean, the fight itself is quite enjoyable to watch. Um, Story-wise, I think nobody really takes, I think, you know, like you touched on, nobody really takes any time to think, hang on, what's going on here? They just, everyone's straight into that fight uh, without really a second thought about it. Yeah, and and then we get to this point where, um, where, I mean, it's interesting. Iron Man gets up. I like, honestly, that it seems like, you know, Tony actually seems human here. He doesn't seem like a super being as he's kind of, I mean, I know he's in his suit, but as he's getting up, he seems like he kind of has taken a beating. And what's interesting is even Steve seems like he's struggling to get up. And I don't know if that just speaks to the power of this uh, coming together of the shield and the Mjolnir. Or perhaps Cap is finally just, um, you know, his age is actually hitting him in this particular moment as he gets up like a 70-year-old man. <laughs> I, I quite like this bit. Yeah. Because I think, good, now you know how I feel after a hard day's work. Like every day. <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right. I uh, I have to say, I think this is kind of a brilliant transition cut right because we go from action movie minute right like the last minute was bonkers and we got a snide hero line right with the put the you want me to put the hammer down right that was that's like the last thing thor does is jumping through the air concussive blast and now we know how crop circles are made it's all great but then we have this shot as they stand and it goes silent and you hear woodland sounds and frankly thor's look on his face is all right i'm a little scared right now like it 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 changes from action movie sequence at night to mysterious sort of thriller horror sequence and that tone changes on a dime leading us into the next part of this minute and i think that's really brilliant i, th- I think it works very very well 
it's an interesting uh, beat to have here. And it really, I mean, in the last minute, Steve arrived. He definitely seemed like the, the uh, clear-headed person trying to get everybody to stop their fighting. Or I shouldn't say everybody, but try getting these two people to stop their fighting. And at this point, it seems like it's almost like this. he's saying, like, because he, he's got the one line here where he's like, are we done here? And it feels like it's that response to, I just said, let's stop. And you keep pushing, and this is why. So let's stop. Can we finally just have a serious conversation now? And I, I, you know, this is probably why I connect more with Steve so much in like these parts because, you know, again, I, we've talked about this over the last several minutes. I kind of struggle with this whole thing of heroes fighting. It's just, it, you know, it's just these two big egos going at it. And I guess there's a certain extent where it makes sense, but. I'm kind of like Cap, like, seriously, guys, just put your stuff down and let's just have a conversation about all this. Yeah. And and so I like this. And I, I, I don't necessarily like that it takes the destruction of a forest to actually get them to stop. And it does make me chuckle to think, what if someone was camping nearby? Would they have just been, like all their skin like ripped off of their bones? You know, what happened to anyone who happened to <laughs> accidentally be nearby? Someone's just finished putting their tent up, haven't they? The last peg goes in the ground and then poof, knocked over. Right. <laughs> right? You just see a bunch of like skeletons standing around a fire with marshmallow sticks. Like you just, all, they've all been flayed. Well, that's awful. Why, Andy, do you lead us down this road? <laughs> I just, they're not thinking about it. I'm just thinking, what if. There happened to be somebody here. I know we're in a very remote. I don't know. They paint it as a very remote part of the Alps, but it does it does make me chuckle to think about horrible things like that. And Loki, does this blast hit him? I mean, as we saw from that over or behind the shoulder uh, shot, he, he's not that high up. Yeah, but I think he doesn't. His his Asgardian leather. Well, I mean, I know he's Asgardian, but at the very least, yeah, <laughs> at the very least, it like pushed him into the wall behind him. Guardian leather goods. You need to, we need to shop there. Uh, I once, many years ago, I was down the pub, and there was some guy who accused me of nicking his shoes. Anyway, we got into a fight, and we got thrown out. And when we got thrown out, we looked at each other, and we were like, oh, now we will calm down. What's going on here? Let's all, we shook hands. And I went to find my chips because I couldn't find where I put them. Uh, and this reminds me of this scene, really. I don't know how much that compares, uh, you know, the the action, whether it, it was similar, it was hazy. Uh, yeah. But I, I think those are com- comparable situations. Right. So it's the fog. The fog of war is clear. The fog. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I think there's definitely something to that. And and uh, that idea where, you know, they all are on the same page. They just, especially Tony and Thor, have a very difficult time realizing that they're on the same page because they're coming at it from different angles. And it's, it, you know, it takes this moment to kind of clear things up. So now, does this officially make Thor an Avenger since they stop fighting? Like, when does it happen? Because, okay. Yeah, he's never in, made an adventure, Avenger. He just assumes. Yeah, Nick came to Tony to talk to him about it. He asks Bruce to kind of come help. So technically, Bruce isn't showing up as an Avenger. And nobody ever asks Thor, hey, can you help? I mean, I guess this is kind of 
maybe that was it when Steve's just like, can we, you know, can we figure this out together in the, in the last minute? And, but it is funny. It's like these people kind of accidentally come together and it's just, you know, Nick is trying to build this team, but he never actually is like really making a team. It's just these people end up accidentally making a team. I don't know if anyone waited for their like confirmation emails to confirm yeah, right. that they were now Avengers. I, I can't I can't help you in New York until I get my badge. I'm still waiting on that. <laughs> I can't get in. Do they have something official that they put in their wallet? I think this is a dress for the job you want kind of a thing, right? It's like Thor showed up with yeah. his armor and the hammer and said, This is I'm here. And now I'm just gonna be an Avenger until you until somebody tells me I'm not. And nobody ever stepped up. Yeah. I, I yeah. tried that. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> no, no, I promise it doesn't work like that. Oh, see, see, Pete, it doesn't work like that. It takes more than just to say, to be there and say, I'm part of the team. But Declan, have you ever said something like, you want me to put the hammer down? Maybe that would have gone over better. Maybe you would No, I don't think I'm not very good at, I'm not very good at, you know, those really powerful lines in the moment. I'm, I'm more like, oh, <laughs> uh, well, you're an idiot face. <laughs> which isn't quite as powerful is it i've never i never heard thor say that so but now i kind of want to <laughs> yeah right that was in the cut scene <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're we're wrapping up here our time in the woods um it is nice the transition as you said pete it goes from kind of this quiet moment of this of uh, this beat, uh, having kind of gone through this uh, this huge uh, several uh, minute battle that we've had out in the woods, to the helicarrier. Any last thoughts about anything in the woods, or should we just head up to the skies? I'm ready to fly. All right, that was that was my power line. Is that I'm ready <laughs> to fly? Beam me up. Beam me up. See, this is why Declan doesn't do the power lines because he gets the, the wrong franchise. Laugh. <laughs> oh, I've done it again. All right, Helicarrier. Uh, Declan, this is our first chance to chat with you about the Helicarrier. What do you think of this? How do you like how it's portrayed in the movie? Uh, I can confirm I think that the Helicarriers are cool. It is pretty cool. I will put that in writing as well if needed. Oh, hey, look at that. All right, we'll have that officially on the website, everybody. So <laughs> when you come to check out this minute, there will be an official proclamation from Declan. I confirm. Helicarriers. Helicarriers are cool. <laughs> um yeah, no, I really like them. I think they, they feel very shield. Yeah, very much so. Does it strike either of you that at this particular point they don't have the uh, the cloaking device on at all? Or does it seem like, well, we're in the clouds, they're probably saving batteries? That's funny. They don't have the cloaking thing on. Or, well, okay, so here's the way I thought about it. Are you ready for my rationalization? Oh, okay. That we're not below it. We're at the side of it, so we can't see that it's cloaked. But that would defeat the purpose, because that would say it's only for people underneath. Yeah. But if it's, That's a, what I if, it's it a, if it's a Boeing 747 flying nearby, then they'd say, oh, my God, there's a flying a battleship <laughs> next to us. We should land on that. Pete, Pete that theory is ridiculous. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I just had to say it. Uh, so I'm thinking with the um, cloaking, 
is that something they can just do all the time or do they have to is there any do you think they can only do it for a certain period of time you know like you said recharge the batteries and then do it again because that must use a lot of power to do something like that it's like a burst like there's a meter on it they have to run out and start it again my hunch would be the design would require it to to last a very long time because then they're completely reliant on on clouds or other you know i mean it really has to be clouds otherwise they have to move to a different location where um they where there were no people around i.e like out in the middle of the ocean or something um but otherwise i think it would have to last for quite a long time but it doesn't mean that they wouldn't turn it off if they know no one's around just to kind of like save on it save on the batteries so i assume you'd have to turn it off for someone to be able to land on it because otherwise you don't know where it is <laughs> that's a very good point so have they just turned it off they're going to land then they'll switch it back on you know that's actually an interesting point because and, and i say this because i was thinking about this as as we start this moment we see uh, a bank of clouds they're right in front of us but mostly on the left side of the screen on the right side of the screen the very beginning of this right and in th- but past this cloud that's uh, kind of in the front left side of the screen it's open sky it's quite a ways to the next set of clouds we move past this cloud that's in front of us and suddenly the helicarrier is literally like right in front of us which makes me think if it had been visible and not using its cloaking device at the very start of this moment here of this scene at 22 seconds we should see the helicarrier to the right side of this cloud you're right this is you're absolutely right this is the unveiling uh i wish i wish declan's ideas were as stupid as mine (laughs) (laughs) i I, yeah i think what we're seeing here is now they don't structure it in a way where it makes a ton of sense because we pass this cloud really quickly but the idea is we pass this cloud and suddenly now there's a helicarrier. I like the idea that they just unplugged. And at second 26, we actually see the Quinjet land on it. Yeah, we see the Quinjet coming in for a landing, which is cool. And then you see a couple other jets just kind of, I don't know, doing flybys, just making sure things are okay. Uh, you know, shooting bogeys out of the sky. I'm not exactly sure why <laughs> they need bogeys. other jets. Is that all they do to you? Is just shoot <laughs> bogeys? <laughs> That's what they do in Top Gun. I don't know. Just a lot of bogeys all over the place. So bogeys, bogeys and free radicals. So many bogeys out there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that actually makes a lot of sense. So they're they're now now again though. My understanding from when we watched it disappear is all of the cloaking mechanism is on the underside of the ship, kind of like that whole bottom half. So potentially the top isn't cloaked, but I don't know. I. I I do wonder how all of this works with this particular thing. If the top isn't cloaked, I think that's a design flaw. Because yeah, if if you were just another plane or anything like that, you would just go above it and go, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> right. Exactly. I can see the top of it. Right. But what about people walking on the deck? Are they just floating around? I guess they can't. They shouldn't be there. Black Widow told them to get out of there. <laughs> I would not walk on the deck of a, of a ship that's invisible below me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least Wonder Woman has a cool. place to sit in her invisible jet. <laughs> These people are walking 
it, uh, and again, the helicarrier, how fast is this thing going? It's flying next to jets that aren't racing past. So it, it's moving at a pretty good speed, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Those people, they're not on the deck because they're getting immediately blown off of the deck. <laughs> That's right. They're, well, they're like maybe they're trussed on somehow. They have some sort of a leash. <laughs> Magnetic boots. That's the answer. It's, just not, it's not a good idea. I'm not saying it's a good idea. You should not walk on the deck of a helicarrier while it's invisible. It's okay. <laughs> I would say you'd probably struggle to breathe. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, how do our heroes get off the Quinjet? Hmm. I mean, there are heroes, but somebody's flying the thing. Yeah, we've got the pilot sitting next to uh, Natasha, who also isn't superpowered. Right. How does she not get just blown right off this thing? (laughs) (laughs) Lots of questions. Lots of questions. There's a reason they cut from the ship landing to the hallway inside. So we don't have to answer any of these questions. Man. It's the magic of visual effects that gets them inside. (laughs) I regret watching this movie a minute at a time. I uh, I do because I do love this minute because I think it's it does it continues that sort of transition to horror thriller vibe, right? It's dark, it's brooding, with the great soundscape, great music hum in there, and we actually get a tour, uh, some fun kind of passing camera work, playing with focus and depth of field. I think it looks it just looks really good uh, as a way to get Loki into his glass can yeah yeah uh before we go inside just a quick um note about directions that um my assumption based on kind of our our conversations after stuttgart as we said it made sense they were flying south southwest in the quinjet over the alps toward the mediterranean and that's when thor arrives which the mediterranean likely was where the helicarrier was kind of holding for them now, this is where they land, presumably now, immediately, they're moving west, heading back to the New York area, because the Quinjet will have to be over the New York area very soon for a certain action sequence to happen. But again, I, I think that they they should have time. So presumably, I would guess, either they're over the Mediterranean now, as they're coming in for the landing on it, or everybody's kind of been moving toward the Atlantic together, and they're uh, landing on it over the Atlantic. But anyway, that's kind of my sense of where we are. And to your point, Pete, yes, let's go inside. So now we're coming into the hallway, and here we see Loki with uh, a dozen shield guards of some sort, although I've never seen shield. What, what do you all think of these particular shield guards, shield MPs? I'm not exactly sure what they are, but they are fully, fully decked out with um, suits I mean, maybe they just came from the deck, which is why they have these full face masks. Any thoughts on the look of these guards here? They, to me, look like the sort of guards that the the villains would have. You don't think, oh, those are the good guys. Right. Well, we know they are, but you wouldn't think that out of context. You wouldn't think that they're the good guys. I was immediately my thought. I went to all of the Hydra Troopers that we saw in the last film because there were a lot of them that looked like this. I mean, not in the same suit, but they were fully decked out like this. And it made me wonder if there are those elements of the Hydra, uh, you know, subversion that's going on here that leads to particular looks like this. Yeah, I think it's actually, I mean, it's really interesting because it's kind of a throwback to all of the, to, to you know, stormtroopers, right, throughout history, right? Cover, identity, look, 
uh, be dressed in black, be an authority figure. And because we've, we continually bounce back to this movie as the, uh, as the turn of shield toward fascism as it slowly rides into, uh, Winter Soldier and, and, um, uh, you know, on that lot, like this, this further cements that, like, this is a conscious choice to make the good guys look like the bad guys. It, it, they don't feel like heroes here. Yeah. It's very interesting. I, I like how casual Tom Hiddleston plays Loki through this scene. You know, he seems very, uh, comfortable. Like he's here. Uh, well, it, it does seem like he's not, uh, upset about being captured, which I think it, it's very interesting. And I guess that, you know, I, I have a question, Declan, what, what are your thoughts on this sense of Loki, the fact that he was, I guess you could say, captured pretty easily back in Stuttgart? He's thrown off the ship or taken off the, the Quinjet by Thor, and then he doesn't try to escape. He just sits there and watches the entire fight. Does it do you do you feel like we should have our heroes like talking about the fact that why did he give give up so e- easily why didn't he try to run any of those sorts of things like how does that play for you Yeah I mean for us, for us the viewers I mean we're all thinking hmm that was easy so I imagine they must think the same but I guess they've just come out of a battle with although it's been with each other because of the adrenaline they're probably thinking oh yeah, maybe we've we've sorted all this out. So yeah, I don't know. I think to us it seems really easy, but I'm not sure from their point of view whether they 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 have that same thought process. I wonder about it because I mean we know Captain America, Steve Rogers, with his super soldier serum, is a great uh, military strategist, and it and he will have the question about uh, you know some of this regarding Loki, but I, it it. It seems like it's not coming soon enough, at least from my perspective. It's like, why? It, I feel like there should be more conversation about this, like in the very next scene, as we're about to kind of have them watching him and then talking about him. I, I feel like there should be some, I, I don't know, I guess as a viewer, I would, I would like to have had that addressed, maybe is what I'm saying. Pete, does it, do you, does it strike you at all or do you not worry about it? Well, I, yeah, only, I, I think only in the context of this being a, being a, a 60 second even less you know 15 second like swipe around the the deck i i think when i'm watching it i feel like in not enough time has passed for them to be really cognizant of how easy it was and the superheroes we have three superheroes who brought in this one super villain and it, they probably feel pretty capable even though they spent more time fighting each other than fighting loki loki theoretically is probably one of them strongest villains they fought you know when you look at their other you know when you look at the other films the the villains that they've uh, defeated are a lot weaker for the most part so maybe they are thinking yeah we've you know we've done it yeah there's an interesting perspective about that we'll we'll keep talking about this as the as our um, minutes play because we'll certainly have some more opportunity as these as the conversation with nick uh, gets underway I have a quick question about the hallway, and I, I want to get a sense from the two of you what you think. As they're walking through the hallway, there are every 12 feet or so, I will say, um, 
a white thing sticking out of the ceiling with three red lights on it and two, like, long antenna hanging down from it. Yeah, I saw that. What do you think these things are? I've been looking at them as we've been, uh, as I've been prepping, and I cannot for the life of me figure out what we're supposed to think that these things are. Any idea? (laughs) (laughs) Wi-Fi boosters. A lot of like every twelve feet, they need another booster. I guess with these thick walls, maybe. That's but, a real. You know. That's a great question. What are those things? Sensors of some sort, maybe. I don't know, but every twelve feet is quite a lot. Yeah, that it is quite a lot. And yeah, no, I don't. I don't get it. I I actually can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to go with Wi-Fi boosters. <laughs> <laughs> It I does make I me. Stand with it, yeah. Well, it does make me wonder. Like, is this one of those production design elements that the director is just like, you know, it just there's it's a little empty. Is there something we could do to kind of just give it a little more sense of you know uh, things in the hallway? And so they came up with these things and just attached a bunch of them to the ceiling, just so they had a few other elements that they could look at. You know. Yeah. Because you you see the um, security camera right up there, yep. and that makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. that's not out of place. You immediately understand what that is. But yeah, these little antennas, or they're downward facing antennas, then it makes sense. But whatever they are, they are most likely something they put. Yeah, let's stick those on the ceiling. They look futuristic. <laughs> I think that's exactly what they were thinking. What do you think of the shot? Pete, you kind of already uh, mentioned it, but we cut to a close-up of Loki as they're walking through the hallway, and it's out of focus. It stays out of focus, or at the same um, uh, focal length, and then Loki walks into focus as he's walking down the hallway, and is ends up, as he comes into focus, looking directly into the camera. Yeah. How does that, how does that play? That's the part that's strangest to me. Like he's he's walking. He's it, clearly the camera is uh, just slightly off to their right as they're walking toward it, and yet for some reason he's staring right into the lens. And it's a cool look. I love the the you know playing with the the focal plane. I think that's really cool. Um, but I'm not entirely sure what I think about him staring right at my soul. That feels that feel it takes me a little bit out of the out of the sequence. What about you, Declan? Like P, I really like the way that it, you know, that it's out of focus and then it comes into focus. It is, it is a bit strange. Him directly looking, almost, you almost think he's going to break the fourth wall. You know, the way he's staring directly because you don't get that a lot, do you? You don't get them staring. You know, the character staring directly at you, the viewer. Uh, whereas Loki does. He's a bit. It's not strange, but it feels off. Well, we did have it one other time in this film, and it was in uh, Kolkata when Bruce uh, screams at Natasha, uh, you know, stop lying to me, and she pulls her gun out, and we get a similar depth of field uh, thing, although it's more of a change in depth of field, where we focus on the end of the gun and then rack focus to her, and she is looking directly into the camera there as well. Another moment where it's kind of putting us into, I guess, his shoes. Um, so, I mean, it has happened twice, though. In the but does that make, for some reason, does that make, that makes more sense to me 
When she did it, it didn't feel weird. When he does it here, it feels weird. But here's the thing that I don't know if they're starting to allude to. Both times, it's Bruce. Like, we cut from this to Bruce in his lab. Now, he's not looking at Loki here, Mm -hmm. right? He's not. We don't see him. This isn't his POV because we see that he's looking at whatever the little funky thing that he's working on. And then he notices, oh, hey, they're walking by. And then he and Loki have that exchange. He takes his glasses off and everything. But in both cases, it does involve Bruce and Hulk in some capacity. And I'm just wondering, are they starting to set up something about kind of getting us into this this mind space of the beast of Hulk and this idea of kind of um, the eventual um, release of him. Like that's the only thing I could think of in the fact that both times Bruce is on the other end of this particular look. If that's what they're doing, it's fairly noncommittal to me. I don't get it. I feel like I have to jump through visual hoops to get there. I'm jumping through a lot of hoops. <laughs> just trying to come up with some reason because it's, it's clearly yeah. a director choice to do this shot. Right. And it is an interesting shot. And it's funny because it's out of focus. He comes into focus. And then this next moment with Bruce does involve him taking his glasses off and rubbing his eyes. So all of it feels like, is there something that they're doing here? Like, I don't know. It's just such a strange, it's <laughs> it, a strange you, thing. It feels like they've done it to make him appear more sinister because yeah. Usually when you do those, you know, when the character looks directly at the camera, it's maybe after a big moment, maybe they've said a really powerful line or, you know, something like that has happened where he's just walking down the corridor. (laughs) So I I think they're trying to make him appear more, or the situation more sinister. Yeah, more threatening. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there definitely is that for sure. So let's talk about this moment with Bruce then. First of all, what is that thing Bruce is working on? <laughs> oh, you guys don't know either. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see it later, but he's not using it. It's it's clearly, you know, in the on the next table over, at least, I, I don't know about right now, but on the next table over later, he has the scepter. If he had the scepter in this moment, I feel like, there would be a shot of Loki also kind of putting two and together, like seeing the scepter, not just seeing Bruce. So maybe he doesn't, but I just don't know. Regardless, I don't know. I just don't know what he's doing with this. Is this something having to do with the technology he was using to track the gamma around the world? Yeah, it does feel gamma adjacent. <laughs> right <laughs> at a minimum. Does it really to you? Because it's not. Gr- I, I would. I don't know. They they make gamma seem green so often that I would think that there would be some green elements to it. But that's the adjacent part that this is blue. It's blue <laughs> gamma. Don't you? Haven't you heard of that blue gamma? Oh, it's a new thing. Mm-hmm. It looks cool though because you have rods. Now here's the problem. Rods to me, right? All the little rods pointed at the the gooseed. Uh, all the rods. In my head, when I see rods, I think very dangerous and radioactive. And even if Bruce is already, you know, he's already as radioactive as you could get because gamma. uh, I can't imagine those rods being anywhere near an exposed area on the ship. That just feels 
dangerous. As a production design decision, I'm always stopping and thinking, this is a weird experiment. What is he doing? It's got to be related to Gamma. Gamma's radiation. They're killing people right now. Those soldiers who just <laughs> went by, all the soldiers who just went by, they're all dead. You, you sort of feel like for something that looks like if you touch it in the wrong place, it might explode. It should be in a better contained lab or, you know, a containment box of some form. Yeah, I mean, you have those orange glowing coils on the other side. Like, this whole thing seems like, I mean, if Howard Stark was doing this in the 50s, he would be behind a, you know, you know six-inch piece of glass and have those little hands with his little robo-controller that he would be using to do what Bruce is doing. It just doesn't seem safe. Oh, for sure. Bruce is not even wearing a an official lab coat, is he? No. <laughs> He's just wearing his, his official purple. Just ridiculous. No, it's... <laughs> Declan is really bringing it today, Peter. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I'm here to point out all the flaws in everything. All of them. <laughs> you sound like me. Wow. <laughs> Perfect. You fit right that's, in. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, okay. So we've got this moment between the two of them after we kind of look at this funky um, thing that Bruce is working with, Loki looks through the door and sees Bruce, and Bruce takes his glasses off. Loki smiles as he walks by, and then Bruce, I don't know, gets a headache or an eye ache or something and rubs his eyes for a moment? Well, he's tired. That's fatigue. <laughs> is he, is he, is it, like, did I really see that person just walk by, or is it just my imagination? <laughs> I think he's just tired. I really think he's just tired. Yeah, when I when I watched it, it was almost, or the way they made it appear was that Loki had an effect on him somehow. Really, you think so? I never got that. That's how I took that. That's how I take it too. And but I don't understand why. Like he doesn't have the scepter, and that's what's so strange about it. Like if he or or is he because theoretically, again, we don't know if the scepter has made it into this room yet, but it will. But if the scepter is here, clearly it will start having an an effect on these people. So it would make sense for them to, for it to be kind of playing with his mind at this point where he's, you know, it is kind of like something that is affecting him. But like, it just seems like, I don't know, the way he does that, Pete, I don't read it as, oh God, I really am tired. Like, I don't see that. I feel like Loki gives him that smile and he instantly rubs his eyes like, oh, God, now I have such a headache. Like, I agree with Declan. I've always read it as like, is he like having some mind control attempt with him or something? I'm watching it again. I don't see it, you guys. I don't see it. He looks tired. Mind control, <laughs> Loki, mind control to Bruce. So it's you. So you think it's Bruce fighting off Loki's mind control? Is that what we're seeing? I'm not saying that he's doing it. I'm just saying that they make it look like that. Because if he was tired, here's the way that I would have directed the scene. Bruce is working on his machine. He lifts his head, takes his glasses off, and rubs his eyes. And then when he's done, he notices Loki walking outside the hall and just looks at him as he walks by. That's how I would have directed it, like, oh, he's tired, and then he notices Loki. The way that it plays... Yeah, okay. Yeah. he's, he's, He's tired. He looks at Loki... The two of them have a clear exchange. He takes his glasses off as he's looking at him. Loki gives him this big smile as he walks by. And then he's like, oh, my head hurts so much suddenly. Unless he, you know, his glasses came off. He saw Loki. And then what we're seeing there is like, oh, not this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go with that, too. It could be. It could be. 
Although it does, that would imply that he knows a lot more about Loki, which, you know, I don't know. I, they all theoretically have had the same reports. We'll certainly be hearing about homework and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know. Bruce always strikes me as the one who's just so focused on this work that he's specifically doing for the Gamma that he's not really paying attention as much to all that. So it, it, I almost am like, does he really know much about Loki? I don't know. It's just a weird moment. It's just a weird. It is a weird moment, and that's not the only weird choice in in like the way it was cut together or blocked. Is that you know Loki walks by, cut to Bruce, fatigue dies, and then Loki's in the can. Like it looks like Loki walks around the corner into the can, but the can is not right next to the lab. The can is in a different place, surrounded by decks and stuff, and so. In that light, this Bruce looking at or rubbing his eyes feels to me like a filler shot that they overlaid so they could move Loki and get him to the can faster. Yeah. So there are two things about Loki's march to to the cage or the cell that he's going to. First of all, I think it's weird considering how strong we're all presuming he is that there is an, an Avenger like someone with superpowers helping escort him mm-hmm. down yeah. to the cage. Because uh, I can't imagine if something went wrong, those soldiers are going to be much, <laughs> much yeah, of a threat. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the second is, that's not a very good system they have, walking Loki past all the important stuff right. to, get, <laughs> to, to get to the cell. <laughs> right. Here's our lab. Your scepter's right next to it. Yeah, it's... It, all of that does, I mean, fantastic points, because none of that makes any sense. I mean, the, the heroes just landed with him. Why did they Why did they go straight to the conference table to just sit down and have a drink and let these S.H.I.E.L.D. police... Let all okay, these human yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. guys... Right, you take him. You take the Asgardian uh, magician off to this, uh, this prison. Through the entire ship, past all the important stuff. I imagine they were like, yeah, you guys take him. And they were like, are you sure, boss? Yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Are you, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, we're sure. We need to sit down. You take him. Yeah. It is so funny. It's such a strange thing. Yeah. Um, the lab that Bruce is working in, they call, they call it the Wishbone Lab because of the position. It's it's on the very bottom of the ship, and it it splits like a wishbone across kind of both sides of the ship. So that's why it's called that. And, uh, they, I don't know, I, I'm, there aren't a lot of great layout maps of the helicarrier, so it's hard to gauge exactly, like, how far do they continue walking Loki to get him to this particular cell. Um, but to your point, Pete, it does make it seem like he's just around the corner, although he definitely is not. Right, which would be also ridiculous because of the aforementioned point, that's right next to the important stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, okay, so right at the very end of this minute, Loki gets locked up. Um, we're going to be talking about the cell uh, a bit in our next uh, minute and a lot of minutes in the future. So let's save that for uh, tomorrow's conversation. Any last thoughts about this walk to the cell? I'm good. Yeah, none for me. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap up today's minute. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Declan to talk about Minute 52. So Declan, uh, tell everybody about what you're up to. So I am in process of recording for the podcast Screen Movie Minute, which, as you may have guessed, is about the film 
screen. Uh, we are, yeah, early stages of recording, but we're hoping to, uh, I'm not sure exactly when this minute is going to be released, but hopefully by then the first to seven minutes will have been released for Screen Movie Minute. Fingers crossed. Outstanding. This should be released April 17th. I would imagine, yeah, yeah, I'm fairly certain. Unless something dramatic happens, I should have released some episodes. Fantastic. Well, we will uh, make sure we get the, the link in our show notes when uh, uh, so that you can all check that out. So tune in, everybody, uh, to the movie Scream, fantastic movie, and I'm sure the podcast is going to be a lot of fun. So that's it for today. Um, Declan, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 52. So, Pete, thanks as always. Ooh, tomorrow we're going to see if helicarriers are still cool. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.